You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's going on, everyone? My name is Madison Morris alongside Brady Trantham via phone call. We are the Thunder Syndicates on this wonderful OKC82 podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Thank you for always submitting questions and being interactive with us. We really enjoy it. But tonight we are discussing the 142 to 126 loss the Oklahoma City Thunder took to the Atlanta Hawks. And don't forget that you can always listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. And you can also find us on Twitter at Brady Does Sports, at Madison Morris, and at franchise okay we will always post our podcast there so you will have access to listen to them but uh tonight the thunder take a pretty gruesome loss in atlanta because i believe that was atlanta's 14th win of the season and uh you know when you're a team who has picked up 30 losses just right over the halfway mark of the season that's not exactly a great sign for a team like Oklahoma City to come in and take a loss like they did tonight so Brady kind of break down this game for us and tell us what what went wrong for the Thunder tonight the Thunder forgot a fundamental cardinal rule about basketball Ah. and and that is that in order to play good basketball and win games you have to be energetic and hustle the thunder had neither of those two things tonight they were (laughs) lazy on their switches they forgot how to defend the almighty pick and roll which is incredibly difficult to defend because it's very intricate it's like trying to defend the option in football so for everybody that's played football before they understand i'm just kidding that's so easy to defend the thunder were terrible tonight (laughs) they were just you know this just happens the thunder are not a terrible team but they lost to a terrible team because they played awful defense tonight. Yikes. Yeah. So I, I will put this out there. I didn't have all the access in the world to watch this game. So I had to keep up via Twitter and via the ESPN app play by play. So I watched some highlights. So uh, bear with me on this, guys. But something I did take away from this game was that everything seemed to be working for the Hawks tonight because I would keep refreshing. I would look up different things and it just seemed like guys like uh, Trey Young and uh, Brady's favorite guy, John Collins. It just, things were going very right for these guys. Even Kevin Herter was having a good offensive night and it, it just seemed like the Hawks were completely unguardable and the Thunder just played some garbage defense and, uh, I mean, Brady and I kind of laughed about this, but I just wanted to vom the entire time. I was vomiting. This was a disgusting game. Yeah, Matt, you might want to get that checked out. Yeah. Basketball, there should be no reason that you're vomiting. It makes you, you throw were, up. Unless you were running sprints, you know, in which case, you know, that, that's kind of common. But, yeah, tonight was just, I don't, I don't know, maybe this is their fourth loss in the last five games. This is the worst stretch of basketball the Thunder played. You know, and I'm going back to around the beginning of December. Um, and the only reason why I know that is um, the piece that I'm still working on about uh, Dennis Schroeder's shooting funk, that kind of <laughs> just went the other way the other night when uh, the Thunder were able to defeat. the t- um, and, and I can't even remember because, what, who did they play last? The most recent game they played? 
Yeah. Oh, geez. The Spurs. The Spurs. That's right. They they played the Spurs twice. See, like, it's late. I'm sorry, everybody. I had to drive back and forth um, from Tulsa today, so I'm very tired. But, yes, (laughs) Shooter has a really good game with the Spurs. But up until that point, he has been playing absolutely um, average, to say the least. And it goes back to December, I believe, 16th, when he was suspended for that win against uh, the Sacramento Kings. Um, since then, the Thunder um, going into tonight were 6-6, six and six, and they've just played a very uncharacteristic brand of basketball going into tonight. Um, they've, been, they've had nights where they've, they've looked completely lazy on defense. Um, they've had games where they just didn't have it, you know, for – you know, travel reasons, you know, rest reasons, you know, these things are going, these factors are going to play in at this point of the year and later on. That's just kind of the reality of the NBA. But, you know, even with that 0-4 start, Addison, and there were times in that 0-4 start where you and I really thought that this team had, you know, some some warning signs. Right. Um, you know, specifically this team doesn't have shooting. Um, if, if Paul George and Russell Westbrook don't have it, who can this team depend on to save them, you mm-hmm. know, even with Dennis Schroeder. But, you know, going for start, you know, two of those games, Russell Westbrook wasn't playing, and the other two, he was coming back without having a preseason, so there was going to be some growing pains there. Right. But, you know, in this 6-6 six and six stretch going into tonight, you know, and now they're 6-7 and seven since that uh, suspension, um, that suspended game with Dennis Schroeder, in this stretch, I, they've just played really bad basketball, and the biggest shame to me is they've done it against some teams that are pretty trash, you know, right. they, and, and teams that they, they have really no business of playing this bad against. You know, you can, you can chalk up the Minnesota losses as just their divisional opponents. You know, every team has a team that just matches up really well against them for whatever reason, no matter how bad or good they are. It's just every team has that matchup. And you could probably say that the Thunder's little kryptonite is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like the Wizards, the Hawks tonight, um, bad, like even the Pelicans when they let Anthony Davis and Julius Randle score like all the points right. um, a few weeks ago. Um, just bad losses. And it's troublesome to me because the schedule is just going to get tougher. Right. No, I agree. And it's just kind of... You know, I feel like I go so back and forth on this podcast because there will be times I sit in here and I'll say, oh, you know, this is nothing to worry about. I think this was a great win for the Thunder. This wasn't that bad of a loss for the Thunder. But, you know, now it's kind of getting to the point where you can't really say that right now because, like, especially taking this loss to the Hawks, was this the most points the Hawks have racked up this season and their 14 wins they've been able to obtain? I looked that up and I I kind of... I'll admit, do not do this at home or on the <laughs> road, obviously. I was looking it up while I was, like, on the way home. Um, I, I don't trust my eyes because I wasn't able to focus, but I believe that this was the most points that the Hawks have scored in, in any of their wins. Ah, yikes. Um, yeah, and it was from players that, you know, like Alex Lynn had, had a field day. Yeah, he did. Um, Spellman lit it up from the three-point line a little bit. Trey Young, he shot 50% from the floor, which is, you know, if, if the Hawks are going to score this many points, you would think, you know, being a Thunder, if you're a Thunder fan and you're just from Oklahoma, you would probably think, oh, Trey Young must have went off. Right. No, Trey didn't necessarily go off. In fact, the Hawks actually kind of ruined a lot of <laughs> potential assists for him <laughs> that were like really nice dime passes. 
that they just didn't finish, and that's just the growing pains of a team that's going to be in the in the lottery for probably the next two to three seasons mm-hmm. at least. Um, but again, you know, just if you just look at this game as it is, you know, just in the one game scenario, it's not that big of a deal. These types of things happen, you know. Yeah, good teams lose like. Good teams lose to terrible teams, and good teams let terrible teams score bunches of points on them. That happens in the NBA. But when we look at this in the in the kind of the grand scope of since December, ooh, I don't know. (laughs) I'm looking at the Thunder schedule right now, and I'll just I'll read up the next few games to you. They got the Lakers at home on Thursday night. Um, Of course, the, the Thunder defeating the Lakers without LeBron James a few weeks ago. Um, who knows if LeBron's going to be suiting up for this one. I am not sure as of what his status is yet, but uh, tonight uh, Shams, uh, Shams reported that the Lakers are going to be going through like a little bit of a lineup change, so there's that. Oh, I saw that, to. yeah. Saturday, the Thunder play an afternoon game against the Sixers on the road. The Sixers, who just acquired Corey Brewer. Ah. And <laughs> Steve McGeehee from Channel 9 and I, we pretty much guaranteed, oh, yep, Corey Brewer's going to, Dropped 27 points in a Sixers <laughs> win over the Thunder here. Oh dear! <laughs> uh, they got the they got the Knicks on the road. Knicks are the Knicks, but again, the Thunder went on the road last year against the Knicks. And Isn't that were, like an 11 a.m. game? Yeah, it's 11:30 a.m. tip off. That is weird. And then they've got ooh, they got a Tuesday Thursday slate against the Trailblazers at home and the Pelicans at home, and then they got the Bucks ooh. on Sunday. I yeah, would say those this, are three like three good games, just like back to back to back right there. Starting with the Blazers. Yeah. I mean, you know, when the Thunder were having these losses, like against New Orleans or or that first loss against Minnesota at home after they had played so well, they came back. They came back home for a one game stand before going on the road uh, for the Christmas game against Houston. They dropped that game in Minis- against Minnesota. You know, they had won so many games and they had played so well at that point that you and I are just saying, you know what, let them go ahead and run set place for Alex Abrinas to win the game because they've afforded themselves this type of margin for error that they can say, who cares if we win or lose this game? Mm-hmm. We need to get our guys, our role players, confident moving forward. Right now, how they're playing and what they're looking at with their schedule they've kind of lost that now. They need to start really having it every single night. They really need to start not being lazy on pick and roll coverages because, you know, those losses can creep up and creep up and creep up. And that margin of error that you've built up for yourself, being in the top three of the West, that can just fall right, you know, right out from beneath you before, by the time before you actually realize it. Even though teams like Houston and, and Portland have kind of faltered here and there, the mm-hmm. West is so tough that you just cannot afford to go on such a bad stretch, especially when the Thunder have by far – the toughest schedule as, um, until the season ends. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm kind of looking at some numbers right now because, like I said earlier, I didn't have an opportunity to watch this game. But I'm looking at some numbers, and it seems like, uh, you know, this game should have come out a lot different because you're looking at final points for the starters, minus Terrence Ferguson, who only ended with four. But uh, Paul George picks up 24. Jeremy Grant has a nice night at 21. Uh, Steven Adams, 16 points, but was a little, 
I mean, I don't want to say slacking on boards because he did pick up seven, but you, you usually see a guy like Steven Adams picking up double digits in boards. But uh, Russell Westbrook leads the Thunder with 31. Dennis Schroeder, of course, picks up 21, having a better second half than the first. But, you know, I just... it's weird because the Thunder did have a high-scoring game, but the Hawks just definitely outscored them. Didn't the Hawks have uh, 45 in the second and the fourth? So it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, these are, this is one team that's one of the best defensive teams in the league in the Thunder Mm -hmm. and one of the worst defensive teams in the the Atlanta Hawks. And both teams decided uh, we're not going to play defense. The the Hawks (laughs) played as well as they could play given their talent right now and how young they are Mm -hmm. and if anyone has has been listening to our basketball show on uh, saturday mornings on 107.7 the franchise um i've talked about john collins here and there i really love john collins and i love the potential uh chemistry and duo with john collins and trey young moving forward but in year one of the trey young experience no they should not be scoring at will and running an offense like they did tonight and you know, you mentioned Stephen Adams having kind of a ho hum game for him statistically. Mm-hmm. Alex Lynn had just just left him in the dust, scorched earth him. God, it looks points. like it. Yeah, twenty four points, eleven rebounds, and all of it was easy. I, I don't recall Alex Lynn hitting a tough shot where, you know, like if you're Stephen Adams, you know what? He just made a good play on me, and uh, <laughs> you know, tip, tip my hat to him and go back on offense. No, Alex Lynn was just getting. You know, he found the open space in the pick-and-roll coverage where nobody was standing and nobody was there to help on the weak side for defense and just getting easy dunks, easy layups, easy putbacks. And that's just the sign of either a tired team or a team that just didn't have it tonight. Now, again, I don't want to bury the Thunder because just because I say they were lazy tonight, I'm not saying that they were a lazy basketball team. They have proven to be everything but a lazy team this year Mm -hmm. they're incredibly they're incredibly talented on the defensive end they're incredible they they wreak so much havoc in passing lanes they are one of the most hard-working teams in the league because of their flaws yet they still won a lot of games but tonight they didn't have it they didn't deserve to win even with a really strong third quarter performance where they outscored the hawks 41 to 27 that fourth quarter was just atrocious yeah see i am just Oh man, I'm just looking at some of these numbers and it is it's pretty gruesome to be totally honest. And you know, this game, I feel like it really was a lot of back and forth to begin with because there were 11 lead changes. The game was tied 16 times. So, you know, it kind of looks like this game was going to be a little bit of like a neck and neck thing at the end, but then watching or not really watching, but kind of keeping up with it there at the end. It looked like the Hawks were just able to run away with it, and I don't know if I want to chalk it up to the Thunder just giving up and having no drive under their feet anymore to finish out this game, or is it really just the Hawks? I feel like we're just the better team tonight, and that's kind of well, crazy. Of yeah, well, I mean, of course the Hawks were the better team. Like, I, like you, you take nothing away from Atlanta. But having said that, if the Thunder just play an average defensive game, they probably win just because – uh, 30, like uh, maybe about 25 to 30 of the Atlanta Hawks points were off of absolutely lazy, inexcusable Thunder mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mistakes that they don't typically make. So, yes, if you average everything out and say, well, if the Thunder play an average game, the Hawks play an average game, it's probably reversed. The Thunder probably went 140 to, to 126. And you and I are having this podcast going, well, the Thunder won, but God, they let Atlanta score 120 points on them. They just were kind of 
lackadaisical tonight, but hey, they got the win. So, right. I, I mean, of, of course, you don't take any away from Atlanta. And <laughs> it was kind of funny. Our very own Chisholm Holland even pointed this out, and I had the same observation during the game. Um, Atlanta did not really want to win this game. Atlanta is – they're in tank mode. Like, make no mistake about it. They're in tank mode. They want to get the best type of player they can get. Maybe Zion Williamson from Duke. Um, maybe R.J. Barrett. Who knows? They've got a good um, young core of talent in there already. One more good draft pick could put them over the uh, over the top in terms of like competing for playoff spots in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chisholm pointed out, yeah, they they sat their starter, a lot of their um, better scorers and starters, for about a four minute stretch in the fourth quarter because they were like, "Come on, Thunder, come yeah. back and beat us <laughs> like you're supposed to do," and it just never happened because. I don't know. I mean, I think anybody that's played sports before, and I I sure as hell kind of felt this before, you know, you you play whether it's a pickup game or like an official game, like in high school or college, like whatever anyone's played, there are nights where you know you have it and you're in rhythm, and then there are nights where you know you don't have it, and you know you don't have it at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of play accordingly, and I thought the Thunder kind of played accordingly. accordingly. They – they weren't they weren't showing that hustle they weren't showing that energy they weren't like they kind of played like they just expected to win because they were just the better team because when they had that energy they were by far better in that mm-hmm. third quarter and a little bit you know some stretches in the first quarter but because they had that big strong third quarter they kind of played the rest of the way like okay we punched in the mouth they're going to falter mm-hmm. the game's going to end this way and the Hawks just refused to lose. So, again, you give them all the credit. And um, the Thunder just had really had no backup punch for that fourth quarter run that the Hawks went on. No, for sure. And that's – I don't – I mean, I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. I really do kind of feel like the Thunder went into this game with the mentality of, oh, you know, well – uh, we got that win against the Spurs. We've done a lot of hard work right now. Let's go in there, get this win against Atlanta, focus on the Lakers on Thursday. But, I, I mean, like Brady said, I think Atlanta just really came to play. They showed up mentally to this game tonight, and they weren't going to let the Thunder walk out of there with a win, and they sure as hell didn't. So, But kind of before we move on to some questions or wrapping things up, um, taking a look at a couple of the numbers, <clears throat> this is probably just a lot of obvious things right now. Because this game was definitely solely lost by defense. But it's just kind of crazy because Paul George, he goes 5 of 12 from the three-point line. Which, I mean, 12 three-pointers, that's a little insane. But it's from Paul George, so people don't really bat too many eyelashes at that. Uh, Hitting five of them, sure, okay. Jeremy Grant, 0 and 4 from the three-point. Yikes. Terrence Ferguson, 0 of 5. Yikes. Russell Westbrook, 0 and 3. That's nothing new. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder, you know, three and five from the three-point line. And I am only saying the three-point line because, you know, the Thunder took 32 and the Atlanta Hawks hit or took 37. They were able to hit 18 while the Thunder were only able to hit nine. So that was kind of a determining factor in tonight's game. So, you know, I, I just don't – I think things were just off tonight. Um, I mean, especially from downtown that just was kind of a lacking area for the Thunder – uh, they really should have kept it more in the paint because the paint numbers aren't all that bad. Steven Adams was 100% in the paint, going 7 of 7. Make that kid an all-star, I'm telling you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Grant, 9 of 14. Nice. Paul George, 6 of 18. Not terrible. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 10 of 21. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm, okay, moving on. Dennis Schroeder, 6 of 15. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know. I think things could have gone a little bit better just on the offensive side, but it wasn't an overall bad offensive night for the Thunder. It's just defense was not there. Guys could not defend Hawks players. Guys like John Collins, who was able to go 12 of 14 in the game, didn't take a single three-pointer, but was also able to rack up 26 points uh, going two of three from the free throw line. You know, if you're if you're not going to defend someone like that and you're going to let them rack up numbers like that, then you're going to have to expect to walk away with a loss. Am I wrong or am I wrong? Uh, I mean, I mean, you're you're exactly right. I mean, you just proved the box score. One of the big things that sticks out to me, the Thunder are they shoot seventy five percent from the free throw line by shooting forty one free throws. That's and insane. This is against one of the worst teams in the league, and they lost. And, of course, like the, the great equalizer is the Hawks shot significantly better from the three-point line, whereas the Thunder, you know, what did they hit? Seven three-pointers, which I guess most people would say, well, that's about average according to their talent. But, you know, with the way Paul George has been playing, with the way uh, Terrence Ferguson has been playing as of late, Jeremy Grant even over the season, uh, seven three-pointers is a little bit under an average that you would assume that they would be going up against a mm-hmm. team like the Hawks. Um, yeah, those those two numbers kind of equal, um, equal, um, equal each other out or cancel each other out. It's just a shame with a team that d- doesn't shoot free throws well. The Thunder had a ton of opportunities, way more than usual. They hit more than their fair share of them, and they still lose. Um, one quick thing on kind of the energy thing that I was talking about earlier, um, and this is from Eric Horn, a quote from John Collins. Um, he said, we knew that we had to come out and punch them in the mouth in order to win this game. We had no, we knew we had no chance to win unless we showed that energy first. And, you know, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. The problem, the problem with that mentality is nine times out of ten, you're not going to out-hustle the Thunder. You're not going to out-energy or out-heart this team. And I don't mm-hmm. want to sound, you know, melodramatic or um, – home like fanboyish or anything like that but I mean this team the reason why they've won a lot of games this year and they've looked impressive in in most of their losses is because of all those intangibles that we we talked about how Mm -hmm. much they hustle how hard they play like they're one of the hardest playing teams in this league so uh, it was just kind of a weird game to see them not have it but I guess in an 82 game grind you can kind of expect it um, also from Eric Horn, just a little, you know, hometown thing. Uh, Trey Young, on beating his hometown team, says, it feels good. I wish we could have got win back home in Oklahoma City. At the same time, we're thankful to get a win. They're one of the top teams in our league. So to get a win against a really good team is special for us. And I can already hear Atlanta's front office go, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Lose! We're trying to get Zion! <laughs> so, no, I love that. That's funny. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you know, another little thing on the uh, on kind of the numbers in the box score, Atlanta shooting 62%, 56 of 90 attempts, just... And the Thunder had more attempts. They had four more shots than the, than the Hawks. It was just like, you know, it's just one of those games that you just kind of throw your hands up in the air and go, well, they just had it, and the Thunder didn't. But, again, I, I keep having to – I keep – forgive me for keep lassoing this back into, like, the whole scope of, well, since December. It's just – it's 
it's the middle of a bad trend. And for the Thunder's sake, I hope it doesn't continue because right. their schedule does get tougher. But a team like this, you know, and I hate to say it because of last season and how last season's theme went, they will probably show up much better prepared against the Lakers and the Sixers because they're higher profile opponents. But you hope that it doesn't turn into, well, we're going we're gonna to show up for this team but we're just going to say screw it tonight. You you cannot do that in the Western Conference. No, and I totally agree. I see your point because I think that's kind of just a mindset that teams may have when it comes to higher opponents and guys with stars on their team, guys who are a little high, more high-profiled, a little more uh, commercialized, if you may. But, you know, they, I think especially what Brady just said, you you have to show up for every single team, especially if they're coming out of the Western Conference. I mean, you can't. You can't just kind of half-ass things just because you're not entirely intimidated by one team because you never know what a team is going to do. You never know what the Hawks are going to do, obviously. And they're you never you never know how the West is going to shift. I don't know if you saw this, Madison, but the Warriors destroyed the Nuggets tonight by thirty, and the I Warriors did are now see that. they're now currently first in the West, and they're going to get Boogie Cousins back fairly soon. Oh, what a shocker. The Warriors bump up to number one. Oh, here we yeah, go. Yeah, so, yeah, here, this is, this is typically, like, we've got a few more weeks until this typically happens, you know, in every other season, but we're getting much, much closer to the All-Star break, and then, as we all know, after the post-All-Star break is when teams start really focusing and playing hard and playing more according to how their talent uh, makeup is, and they play more playoff basketball because they understand, okay, we're a lot closer to the finish line. We need to prepare for home court advantage as much as we can mm-hmm. and playing, you know, playing for those later months into the spring, into the summer. No, for sure. But I, uh, we have a couple of questions, so we can we, go we ahead do. and move on to those. Um, let's go ahead and start with our avid listener, and he contributes quite a lot. Thank you to Mr. George Lynch at glynch77 on Twitter. Uh, he wants us to discuss blockbuster trades. We need one. Just an example. Don't lose your mind. We have to lose someone to get better. Limited assets. <laughs> Go, Brady. Well, see, like, I kind of talked about this with some friends. The only way I can see the Thunder making a significant trade, and that, that's barring, you know, like some silly GM that Sam Presti swindled, meaning he's able to turn, like, Patrick Patterson and a second round pick into like a tight, like a, I don't know, a Tyson Chandler type role player, you know, like a guy that a veteran that you can seriously depend on. Like Todd Gibson a few years ago, turning campaign into Doug McDermott and Todd Gibson, mm-hmm. even though they weren't on the team the following season, <laughs> that, that was, that was a train robbery of a trade. If, if Presti is able to do that, then obviously I'm not going to be able to forecast that, but in terms of, like, names or, like, a position that's out there, I mean, he sent us a screenshot. Let's see. The Thunder received Bradley Beal, uh, Busevic, Terrence Ross, the Wizards. I'm sorry, Madison. No. Steve, Steven, Don't say it. Steven Adams. No. Steven Adams. The Magic and Andre Robertson, who hasn't played this year. Alex Arenas, who hasn't played and four score in seven years, and Patrick <laughs> Patterson, who got two offensive rebounds tonight and hit a layup. Hey. So good for him. Um, I don't know. Like, the problem, like, again, going back to the beginning of what I was saying before I started ranting, the problem that I usually bring up with um, friends when they ask me this question is, if you're going to make a realistic trade, you're going to have to get rid 
of probably Hamadou Diallo. Right. And I don't know, I don't know if this franchise wants to cut bait with him right now. He's, it's probably safe to say he's hit kind of the rookie wall. You know, Mm -hmm. teams have scouted him. They understand, okay, he's, he's predicated on athleticism. He's not as confident um, in his shooting ability as most players are. So, you know, you kind of let him shoot. Don't let him beat you to the rim. So he's been scouted, and there's going to be moments where he's going to appear right, and be the player that he was um, in the early part of the season. There are going to be like nights like tonight where you just kind of forget that he played. But having said that, the Thunder really love him, just like they loved Terrence Ferguson last year, and look what that's got them. You know, Terrence Ferguson has turned into quite the good two-way player for them. So I don't know if the Thunder want to get rid of Pomadou, and that's the only way that I can realistically see this team getting another player of of stature, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I, I, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. And I actually don't talk trade talks very much because, uh, yeah, if I'm just going to put this out there, if we see Steven Adams go, I quit. I'm not, I'm not covering this <laughs> team anymore. I am done. No, I'm totally kidding. But let's move on to a question from. Who's gonna? Sorry, who's, what? Like Jerry, Jerry's just Jerry Ramsey's just going to cry. Jerry Ramsey will cry, and I'll have to sit there and pat him on the back and. Uh, Things will just like go you will, wrong. You will move on. It'll be okay. All will be well. Jerry, dang, chill. Uh, but the next question comes from the artist formerly known as Red Dirt Sport. And his <laughs> at name is at Red Dirt Sport. Oh. Uh, he <laughs> asks us, can anyone make this team play defense? Anyone at all? I mean, this, I mean, okay, this hasn't been like a consistent thing for the Thunder where they have just completely gone boo-boo on defense and I couldn't I seriously could not think of a better word at the time so I just went with boo-boo that that applies it applies and it's actually pretty relevant so they just went boo-boo on defense tonight but I mean I don't think you can look at this game and say god the Thunder are just terrible at defense that's been their problem all season long like no it it hasn't really been an ongoing problem for this team so I mean I think right now they just kind of hit a wall tonight. They didn't defensively prepare for this game. They let Atlanta get a little too hot, a little too fast. And I'm not saying Atlanta pulled ahead significantly, like right off the bat, but they were allowing Atlanta to get some pretty good shots. They were allowing Atlanta to stay in the game right from the get-go and actually pull ahead quite a bit. I think, what was Atlanta's biggest lead of the game? Um, Was it 22? It was 16. Okay, so. Oh, wow. I don't. It was Look, cl- it's, been, it's been a long day, and I can't math. <laughs> well, the Thunder only led by four throughout the entire game, and Atlanta was able to pull it to within 16 at once. So, you know... <laughs> the Thunder's largest lead was four, and yeah. the game started off off a of Paul George three. So, exactly. at one point, it was... It was 3 nothing Thunder at one point. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I think just tonight that was just the a very, very poor showing of Thunder defense. And, you know, I, hopefully it doesn't carry on throughout the season, but I don't think that's going to be a problem that people are going to look back and say, wow, that was the Thunder's biggest problem all season was defense. Yeah, I mean, really the only person, um, RDS, that can um, get them to play defense is probably Alex Grinch, uh, OU's new defensive coordinator. <laughs> Hopefully he, t- he teaches his players how to uh, tackle um, using proper technique and turning their he- and t- teaching the cornerbacks in the secondary how to turn their heads when the ball is in the air because that, that's really hard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we, we will find out. We will find out soon. Um, but, yeah, I'll agree with Madison. The only problem is 
they've played like this as of recently. Mm-hmm. So recency bias is going to be creeping into Thunder fans' like minds when they're asking questions like this, so I understand it. Um, but because they played so well for a few months, yes, with a soft schedule, and yes, in the beginning of the NBA season, um, because of what we've seen most of the time, I'm going to err on that on that side of that confidence of this team is they play they're much better than this. They're going to be fine. Their schedule gets tougher, but they'll play up to their competition because the Thunder are also a good team themselves. For sure. Uh, Melinda Rudman at MKR2400 asks us on Twitter, a post-game interview with Donovan mentioned sitting starters to open fourth and concern of minutes. This move proved to start the run that the Hawks needed. Do you think Coach will rework the starters' minutes slash management and rotation to fit the game instead of just doing the usual? Good question. Well, you know, I, I kind of, you know, going back earlier in the show when we were talking about the Thunder's next few games, you know, they got to turn right back around. Like, they've had a really weird schedule um, the last month and a half. But they haven't had that many back-to-backs. It's not been weird in that way. They haven't had that many, you know, four games and five night type situations. I think they've had one or two in that. So, I guess in a short amount of time, that's kind of a lot. But, you know, they've had a lot of weird, like, they go on the road and they come back for a home game. Then they go back on the road for, like, two games, and they come back for two days, and they play a home game, and then they go back on the road. They've, they've yet to have, like, a, a long, sustained road trip where they mm-hmm. can kind of get comfortable in the, you know, we're here for a few days, then we get on the airplane, and then we go to a different city, and that type of comfort. And they also haven't had the inverse, which is, okay, we've got a three- or four-game homestand. So it's been kind of weird, and then you throw in Christmas and the holidays and New Year's Eve into that, and these these guys are human beings, and they all have families and friends that they want to be with. So there's all these other little pressures that add to fatigue. So that could be a factor. It's not an excuse. It's just a reality. Right. Um, I'm not, and I I don't think that that's the reason why they played so bad. I think it's just a, a part of, you know, their schedule getting tougher, and some of their key players going through some terrible funks. Um. But with this particular question, I kind of saw that as, okay, the beginning of the fourth, the Thunder really got it rolling in the third quarter. We're, we're playing a terrible team here. They'll probably accept the L here. Mm-hmm. And we need, to get, we need to get our guys rested and ready moving forward because they have the Lakers, they have the Sixers on the road, they've got the Knicks who um, suck, but it's still a road game. You know, I think Billy was trying to play for like the next few games and not for tonight. Whether or not that would have made a big difference, I don't know. But having said that, the second unit tonight was horrific defensively, right. and we have, we haven't even really talked about um, Dennis Schroeder getting a tribute video from Atlanta tonight. I heard about um, that. Had had a few good stretches, um, but um, didn't really have the shooting woes that he had been dealing with prior to last the other night's uh, San Antonio game. Um, but overall, the bench just played horrific defensively. Yikes. Yeah, no, I mean, the whole thing about, you know, reconstructing starters minutes and kind of where they come in, where they go out, I don't know if that's the biggest concern to Billy right now because what I saw from keeping up via social media was going into halftime, guys like Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Stephen Adams, and Russell Westbrook already, already were in double figures. Terrence Ferguson was really the only one that – didn't contribute too heavily on offense tonight so I I don't think it's a matter of reworking how the starters function and when 
you know, they take their shots when they see more time on the floor, when they see more time on the bench to rest. I think it's basically just kind of getting a bunch of factors in order and just kind of figuring it out from there. But uh, speaking of uh, Steven Adams, that blonde girl at OU girl, I like this girl. She always tweets great stuff. Uh, so shout What's out up, to you, Robin? blonde girl. Robin? Robin's her name? <laughs> yeah, Hello, Robin. Her Robin. Hi, She's Robin. Awesome. So um, this is actually my favorite question of the night, trying not to be biased, but it didn't work. She just sends <laughs> us a side-by-side picture of uh, pre-pubescent Stephen Adams and uh, caveman Stephen Adams, and she just says, discuss. Um, well, this is obviously Stephen Adams on the left being his rookie year photo. This is your life prior to being endorsed by the Oklahoma Beef Company where he received <laughs> 10, 10 pounds of beef a month for every month that he plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Stephen Adams on the right is when he is when he receives said tribute <laughs> of Oklahoma beef. So um, Why does anybody uh, need that much beef? Well, I mean, he, he, he's, he's a large human. He does. Um, he is a large he's human. An ad, he's an athlete, so he needs his protein. And uh, Madison, people like steak. People do like steak. He smashes them. Uh, and he actually uh, discovered a nice little tattoo artist here in Oklahoma City as well because he has a full sleeve of tattoos now uh, compared to when he first started. He didn't have facial hair or a full sleeve of tattoos. So, you know, good for Steven. That's uh, what $24 is going to do for you. So, moving on to Mark Duck. Uh, and this kind of goes exactly with what we were just talking about. He says smashing steaks is obviously working obviously talking about Steven Adams since he did put out that lovely video of him wearing blue jeans, which still blows my mind. And he uh, <laughs> claims that he smashes steaks. Yeah, he typically smashes um, sinners like Alex Lynn <laughs> and uh, Omari Spellman, but tonight just didn't have it. You know what? That's going to happen. For instance, I earlier in this show, I forgot that the Thunder played the Spurs twice in a row um, just two or three nights ago. So, you know what? Sometimes that happens. Momentary lapse in judgment. <laughs> so, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but we'll just touch base on it real quick. Julius Reck at Julius underscore Reck on Twitter. Uh, he asks us, given the recent performances against sub-500 teams, are you at all concerned? Um, Just from me real quick, I'm a little – I will say I'm a little more concerned than I was, not in a way where I'm just over here tearing my hair out, scared of what the Thunder are going to do and how the postseason is going to come up to haunt them. Um, it, it's just a little concerning, especially if you are a Thunder fan, just because, uh, I mean, like Julius pr- pointed out, a lot of poor performances against sub-500 teams. Uh, tonight was definitely prime A example. Uh, it's just – it's a little disheartening to see a team like the Thunder. You know that they have the potential to be just this fantastic team. They have great guys who play good defense, usually. And they have guys like Paul George and Steven Adams who are just so great on offense, usually. So, you know, it's just, it was a little disheartening tonight, but I'm still not super concerned to where I would totally count the Thunder out for a great rest of the season or even just an average rest of the season because I think a lot of people know what this team is capable of and I think they're going to show that with more games coming up and you know they're going to hit games like this where it's just like wow that sucked but they're going to come out of it and things are going to get back to normal hopefully and I always say hopefully on the end because I don't want to just put words into the Thunder's mouths and say like oh well you know they're going to do great this is what they said they said they're going to do great well I'm just saying you know hopefully hopefully 
something good comes out of taking a loss to bad teams like this and it puts a little bit more fire under their feet? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's only concerning, like, a few months from now. If the Thunder are sitting at 49 wins or 50 wins and you look back and you see, okay, for October, November, and the beginning of December – they were just destroying, you know, teams that they were supposed to destroy left and right. Mm -hmm. And then they go through, like, this little poor stretch of games where they lose to teams like Atlanta or Washington or Minnesota. You know, they lose to those types of teams. But then they kind of correct the ship, and they win their fair share of games in their tougher part of the schedule, and they'll lose their fair share of games against the Milwaukee, the Torontos, the Golden States of the world. Um, But if you look back and the Thunder had 50 wins and they left five or six on the table – and they could have been pole vaulted with those five or six extra wins into the top three or possibly the top two in the West, that's when it's annoying. But if the Thunder are in the top three or the top four, even with a handful of losses to some bad teams, mm-hmm. that's really all they, they need to be. If, if they have kind of a repeat of last season where they kind of backdoor into the, into the four seed, and I don't want to say backdoor because the Thunder, they, they really earned it at the end of the year with those big wins on the road against Houston, Miami, and the final win against Memphis at home. Um, they certainly earned that seed, but the way the season played out, they kind of backdoored into a top-four seed. They weren't really playing like a top-four seed generally in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they, if they get a top-four seed, I, I'm not that worried. The only thing that worries me right now is that they're just playing completely uncharacteristic basketball for the last month um, overall. But I'll wait until – maybe two or three weeks from now, basically until all-star break. I'll wait until then to like really start raising some red flags if they continue to play this way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, our very good friend, Channel 9's own Steve McGee, he asks, why do teams always play up when they face the Thunder? And I kind of think this goes back to uh, what Eric Horn tweeted out from the Hawks locker room. They knew They knew coming into this game that this wasn't going to be an easy game to win. And I think when teams have the Thunder coming onto their home court, they prepare a different way. They prepare a certain way. I think guys look at the Thunder because the Thunder has uh, Russell Westbrook. They have Paul George. Obviously, Steven Adams is just a phenomenon of a player. Jeremy Grant is improving dramatically. And then they have guys like Dennis Schroeder also. I think teams look at the Thunder, and I don't want to say they feel threatened at all because that's not really what's going on. I'm saying that they prepare and they know that they have to come out firing. They know they can't let the Thunder get into this rhythm that Billy Donovan always speaks on because they're going to take the loss if they do. Because the Thunder are a good, powerful team, and they know how to win some basketball games. Gosh dang it. So I think teams really do take into consideration a lot when the Thunder are coming to town that they're going to have to play their booties off, and they, you know, they're just going to have to prepare a certain way to take the win over the team. So I think... To answer Steve's question, um, I I think they just they know that the Thunder is a good team, and they want to get the win over a good team and show that they're still contenders as the season continues on. So they prepare for it, and that's exactly what Atlanta did tonight. I mean, yeah, I mean everything you said was right. I mean the Thunder, you know, and if this goes out to everybody that is listening to this podcast that doesn't live in the market, you know, being Oklahoma city or Tulsa or just the state of Oklahoma. Um, this is not a, a Homer, um, pick here. I'm not a Thunder fan, but of course I'm from Oklahoma. So I love my home, but you know, since the Thunder have been going to the playoffs in their second season as a franchise, 
the Thunder have been one of the more popular teams in the league and, and it, the, over the entire world uh, in terms of jersey sales, in terms of viewership, in terms of home attendance. They're one of the more pop. They're one of the top five or six popular teams in the league. In a league that's just predicated on glamour and fame and just everything that there is to do about American sports entertainment, the Thunder are near the top of all that mm-hmm. because they've had great players like Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and they've continued that success on with, like you said, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adams, and on top of that, they're also this season a really good basketball team. So, of course, teams like Atlanta are going to try and see what they're able to do, what they need to work on, what they're good at. That's, that's their measuring stick or teams like Oklahoma City. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, that's no surprise to me. I mean, the Thunder did it last year. They played extremely well against teams that were much better than them, against teams like Houston or Golden State or uh, Boston or – uh, Toronto, they played really well against those teams, but everybody else that they deemed were better than them, we don't need to play as hard, they looked like crap, and they lost a bunch of those games too. So that's just kind of the nature of the sport. That's kind of the nature of all sports. You want you show up at least emotionally and physically for teams that are probably better than you. Whether or not you beat them or, 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 or lose to them is a completely different matter all on its own, but mm-hmm. you, you typically get up for these types of matchups, and Oklahoma City is a team that's going to have a target on its back for show for show guys um for show so i mean we had another question about clemson being a blue blood i don't really understand that brady (laughs) is like is this kind of a thing that you know about and i just don't because i'm super confused right now so uh, our mutual friend keegan who got in a question on an earlier podcast a few days ago uh when we had george toy on um after clemson beat alabama in the uh, college football playoff national championship uh what was that last week or so um how can i say this really quickly because this is a basketball podcast so there <laughs> a blue blood implies that you've been good for a long period of time and that you have staying power meaning you're not going to be like the university of miami in football where you were good for about you know 15 total years but before and after that, you have been complete and utter irrelevant trash, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so while Miami has a really good storied football history that only starts in the mid, the early 80s all the way up until the early 2000s, they're not a blue blood. But teams like OU, USC, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, you know, those types of teams, they're going to be famous no matter if they're good or bad because they have that logo on their helmet. Keegan made the remark or the he, – he tried to pull off this take of Clemson's a blue blood now because they've won two national titles in the last few years and um, recency bias. And I love Keegan. I love Keegan so much. He's a smart kid, um, really knows what he's talking about in terms of recruiting and college football. He understands so much. But, my God, that was a terrible take, and it's not going to age well, Keegan. Please, please, <laughs> speaking as your friend, please please refute your take. Just take it back. <laughs> no one's going to care. This is a safe place. We promise. We all love you. This people. is a safe place. I love it. Well, I guess that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thank you guys for all the questions. We actually had a lot of interaction tonight. There was a lot to talk about. Um, so we appreciate it. Thanks for always listening to our podcast, for tweeting at us, for joining in on our Ramble Fest, because we have quite a bit of those. Uh, it's a fun time. So just a reminder, you can catch our 
uh, OKC82 Podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and of course, we always post them on our Twitter pages at Madison Morris, M-A-D-Y-S-S-O-N, Morris, that's pretty simple, and at Brady Does Sports, and uh, also at the Franchise OK, or just at Franchise OK, you know I should know this because I work here, but uh, it's one of those two, so take your pick. Um, so that's going to do it for us. The Atlanta Hawks take this win over the Oklahoma City Thunder at 142 to 126. They advance to 14 and 30 in the season, while the Thunder drop down to 26 and 17. Next up for the Thunder will be back here in Oklahoma City on Thursday night as the Los Angeles Lakers come to town. And uh, Brady and I will be there, full, scrummy, ready, taking pictures, taking video, giving you all the coverage your heart desires. So. Stick with us on our Twitters, and we will be there on Thursday to give you full Thunder Lakers coverage. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Brady, take us home. Don't eat purple Skittles. They're trash. Absolutely.